For depression and epilepsy in the third world countries, one needs to ask, is help on the way? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard, and joining me today is Dr. Vikran Patel. Dr. Patel is a professor of international mental health and the Wellcome Trust Clinical Research Fellow in Tropical Medicine at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Thank you very much, Dr. Patel, for joining us. Thanks for having me, Maurice. To begin with, I'd like to ask you, could you speak to the importance of mental illness in developing countries, particularly in the context of the enormous burden they face of social adversities and physical health problems? Sure, Maurice, uh, mental disorders are just as important a cause of suffering, human suffering, in all countries of the world, developing and developed. And we now have abundant evidence showing that these disorders can be recognized and cause huge amounts of disability in all societies. In fact, the very conditions that you describe of adversity, both social and the high burden of physical health problems, contribute to the risk for mental disorders in developing countries. Where professional psychiatrists are so limited and so few in number, for example, in India, a population of a billion people, and there are roughly 3,000 psychiatrists, is there a model that you're developing that brings health care to the masses of India that are really without medical care for this field? Yes, that's been the focus of my work in the last decade. The model that we've been developing is shifting the task of the clinical encounter that psychiatrists traditionally engage in to lesser trained or lesser specialized health workers and reorienting the role of psychiatrists in such settings. You've written a book where there are no psychiatrists, and this is a book that is to be used by psychiatric technicians. Can this book be used in this kind of setting? Does it change from location to location? And is there a way that technicians can feel comfortable in recognizing problems and medicating them? Yes, that's certainly the aim of the book. But, Maurice, one has to always recognize the limitations of books. Books are very useful guides, vatamecums, but they do not ever substitute for proper training, support, and supervision. And so, ideally, the book must be used as part of a comprehensive program to equip lay health workers or non-specialist health workers to deliver mental health care. I can't help but feel that, certainly in our country, mental illness begins in the young, often 12 to 15, and it's not recognized till much later. Is there something that can be done in India where, say, in a rural area, somebody may have mental illness, not be recognized, and certainly would have tremendous impact as far as his development and maybe the perpetuation of poverty that he lives in or she lives in? That's been, again, one of the major foci of my work, which is the development of interventions to promote mental health and prevent mental disorders in children and young people. Our focus has been largely by strengthening school health services that integrate mental health with a range of other health concerns affecting children in India, for example, nutrition and physical health difficulties such as visual difficulties. Have you had any luck or help as far as violence or self-harm, substance abuse, and the reproductive and sexual health of young people when you incorporate mental health in this model? Well, that's certainly the approach we're taking. And, Maurice, I'm hoping that this approach will be successful. It's still early days. At this stage, what we've got at the moment is a package of services that we are delivering in schools 
developmentally appropriate packages for primary and secondary and then college level adolescents and children. And what we're hoping to do is to demonstrate over the next few years as we scale this up in a larger number of schools that the package actually leads to better health and social outcomes for children and adolescents, amongst which violence, depression and self-harm and smoking and tobacco use are all critically important outcomes. I would imagine this model might be helpful because I'm sure children in India are no different here in that they don't like to be stigmatized with mental illness. They certainly do not want to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist or even a high school counselor for any type of help. But maybe if they're what we might say mainstream through other health services, this might be more acceptable to them. That's certainly the philosophy. You're absolutely right. In the past, we've experimented with setting up what we considered were youth-friendly centers outside the school setting, but very quickly people associated the center with mental health issues, and young people were reluctant to come there only until they had very severe problems. And of course, by then, we've already lost half the battle. And so our current work is largely based within schools and combining both promotion strategies combined with early detection and treatment strategies for that smaller group of adolescents who have frank mental disorders. In some of your articles in Lancet, you use a phrase, and I'd like you to come explain it to me. It's called scaling up. And would you tell me what that means and how it's used in the context we're talking about? Scaling up is actually a very popular term in public health in developing countries. What it simply means is closing the gap between the number of people who need health care and the number who are actually receiving it. So that when we talk about scaling up, we're talking about increasing the coverage of affordable, equitable, and evidence-based health services to target of 100% of the population. Everyone in the community should have equitable, affordable access to such health care. I've noticed, though, in one of your articles, you refer to Chile having a model for scaling up. What have they done that's so different? Chile is a very interesting example, Maurice. Chile has scaled up across its entire nation a depression treatment program delivered through primary health centers based on a stepped care program. This was partly the consequence of a trial led by Ricardo Araya and his colleagues in Chile, including American collaborators such as Gregory Simon from Seattle, which showed that this relatively low-cost intervention produced dramatic benefits for women suffering from depression in the primary health centers in Santiago City. So the scaling up analogy really is that from that one trial, the Ministry of Health has actually taken this model and made it a national program guaranteeing all its citizens access to a free and publicly funded depression treatment program. Are other countries following this model? Absolutely. There are many countries, particularly in Latin America, that are seeing mental health care as a right, a right for people, and that the state must fulfill that right by providing affordable services. So, for example, in Brazil, this model is being extended to severe mental illness, where there's a program for enabling people who have been institutionalized in mental hospitals to return home back to their communities, some of them after 40 years in an institution, but empowered now with a pension that the state provides them to help them maintain their livelihoods in an independent fashion. Well, you've touched on an ethical issue and a human rights issue. And having said that, is there a role or a place for psychiatrists in the United States who make up a large part of this audience to take some kind of leadership in this area? 
Absolutely, Maurice. I think there are some exemplar individuals in the United States, indeed in other developed countries, who have actually been at the forefront of the reform of mental health care in the developed world. In fact, I would say that it is these reform movements which have been my own inspiration for trying to implement a reform in developing countries. I think one of the lessons that perhaps psychiatrists in developed countries could take back from the developing world is to understand that a lot of the tasks of mental health care need not require highly expensive specialists to deliver. Is there a role for our associations to also take a leadership position? Oh, absolutely. I have always advocated the important role that strong institutions in rich countries, such as, for example, the American Psychiatric Association, could and should play to promote mental health care in developing countries. That, I think, is a role of all professional bodies. I think the associations must step beyond their national interests and look at the more global concerns around the professional specialty of the field. You know, you just mentioned in Chile the not looking to the large custodial care hospitals that exist, not only uh, in Chile but in the United States, that there may even be a question of the tremendous waste of our resources that do go into mental health with the patients being deposited in these long-term facilities. How would you respond to that? Absolutely. I completely agree. The waste of resources in large mental hospitals, the inefficiency of the use of these resources is dark. In India, for example, we have very few mental health beds in the country. But even the few that we have are inefficiently utilized because 80% of these beds are located in mental hospitals. So we have a double burden here. We have scarce resources, and on top of that, these resources are inefficiently used and inequitably distributed so that the vast proportion of these resources are in urban areas, whereas the majority of the population lives in the countryside. The dollars that we're putting into mental health social investments then shouldn't be looked upon simply as another expense on our health budget. Is that correct? That's right, because I firmly believe that improving the mental health of our population will have great benefits in terms of social and economic benefits. We look upon something that's called DALY, Disability Adjusted Life Years. Very often this is what the academician will look at to substantiate some health care initiative. Has that been shown to be of a positive nature when we look at mental health? The DALI is a health metric, a relatively new health metric developed only about 10 or 15 years ago, which allows us to measure the burden of a whole range of conditions using the same metric. And what that then allows us to do is therefore compare the relative burden of one condition compared to another for every setting in the world. It is the use of the DALIs that has actually propelled the importance of mental illness in developing countries to the forefront of global health debates, because By using DALIs, we could now demonstrate that even in the poorest countries of the world, such as in sub-Saharan Africa, fully 10% of the total burden of disease in these countries is attributable to mental disorders. You know, you talk about multiple countries that rely on traditional health caregivers. By traditional, they can be a shaman or some other village person who they've often gone to with mental health problems or any other problems. Is there a conflict or how do you incorporate this cultural custom into providing medication? 
This is, I think, a great challenge. You're absolutely right. There is a vast human resource available in many, many societies that comprise traditional and complementary healthcare practitioners. And a large proportion of their work, in fact, would be considered to be mental illness care, mental health care. However, I'm not familiar with any national level initiatives that have successfully integrated the traditional healthcare provider with the mainstream biomedical healthcare system. There's a great deal of interest, of course, in this sort of integration, not least because of the enormous resource that's available. But unfortunately, we're stuck with one great challenge. And that challenge is the very different perspectives on what causes illness and misfortune and therefore how one must treat it. I want to thank Dr. Vikran Patel, who's been talking about health care in the undeveloped world and the various needs in mental health in particular. I'm your host, Dr. Maurice Pickard. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com. Thank you for listening.